Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of What's Happening in Travel. I am here with my buddy, Bushro, and uh, and I'm Kerwin, and we were actually recording this on Thursday, December 3rd. Uh, we've just had some scheduling things going on, and now we finally got the episode going. So we're going to jump right into it. And uh, Kusha, what's your background today? What you got? Uh, my background is Seoul Incheon Airport with uh, two... Korean and Asiana A380s. Very fitting, Kusha. Very fitting. Um, yes, I should have had this last week. I know, we right? Talked about this. Yeah, because as you know, we talked about um, Asiana uh, being gobbled up by Korean, but keeping the brand. Uh, so, um, have they? Are they keeping the A380s? You know, they haven't decided anything yet. Oh, okay. But given that they're two brands, um, probably. Yeah, but neither of them have parked their three eighties up until now, right? I believe they have, but they haven't sent them to storage. Uh, okay. Well, I guess yeah, so, they're parked them because nothing's yeah. coming on. Duh. Yeah. <laughs> um, so. I have a. Let me move to the side a little bit. So, um, if you've ever been to uh, now, this is this is spelled Berkshire, but pronounced Berkshire. And this is one of the counties in, uh, in England uh, um, where I think Reading and uh, those places are in there. And actually Microsoft has a place not too far from here. And this is one of the homes there where there are thatch roofed houses um, that are in this neighborhood. So you'll drive down this entire street and all the houses have roofs which are thatched roofs, um, which dates back to, I don't know what era. <laughs> it dates back a little ways. Mm. So I'm, the UK is one of the places that I visit the most and I miss in the UK. So I thought I'd pull up, pull up that picture today. All right, so we're gonna jump right into it because there's so much going on. Um, first one, we're gonna talk about airlines. And um, so one of the things that we see uh, happening is that a lot of the airlines are finally, finally, finally realizing that um, people don't wanna be quarantined um, so because people don't want to be quarantined when they go places and the airlines waste, you know, lose money anyway, when somebody gets quarantined somewhere, um, because it takes longer for them to get back on a plane. And so, um, they're actually investing money, time and all that technology into, um, testing. And so what is Delta and United doing, uh, right now, Kusho? So, um, all the topics we're going to talk about today cover dates between November 23rd and the 28th of November. Mm -hmm. And Delta made a big splash on the 23rd when it announced its quarantine-free corridors between uh, Europe and the US starting on December 19th, 2020. So what this is, is it's going to be quarantine-free travel, as we mentioned, between Atlanta and Rome, um, both ways, if you fly Delta. One big difference, this comes after uh, United announced that it was expanding its um, testing between uh, Houston and a lot of Central, South, and South American and uh, Caribbean destinations a little earlier, whereby um, you could be um, able to fly quarantine-free but with 
specific testing and travel requirements. But for United's case, you had to obey local quarantine requirements in your destination. Because remember, they're doing this also between Newark and London mm-hmm. on certain United flights. Right. In Delta's case, you do not. It's a big difference. You do, you do not what? You do not have to um, adhere to destination quarantine requirements because you will have already cleared them with this very th- thorough testing program that they are uh, planning for. So in the Delta case, you have to take three tests. The first one is the very comprehensive PCR test, uh, which should be taken less than 72 hours before departure. Mm -hmm. Then there is a rapid test at the airport. So let's say you're going from Atlanta to Rome. You have to take a rapid test at the airport, and you would only be allowed to board if you have a negative result. Okay, which and makes sense, get, right? Absolutely, it makes sense. Yeah. And once you get to Fiumicino, um, you have to take yet another third test. And you will be released only if you are negative. I mean, you cannot get more thorough than this. Yeah. Even though, I mean, you could get off the plane in Rome and be uh, positive the next day. But that's not beyond, not the airline's uh, Fault, really, right, when right, you think right. about it, yeah, just how long you incubate the virus. But the one thing that I found very interesting is that not all um, U.S. European travelers can take advantage of this. Why? You have to be an American citizen who is traveling there on essential services, or an EU citizen. And the restrictions are much less stringent for those. So, yeah, I'm not exactly sure why uh, they have restricted it so much, because I doubt there are so many EU citizens going back to Italy or anywhere in Europe, for that matter, from the US at this stage. It makes makes sense what what they're doing. Sorry, before I lose my train of thought, I just wanted to say... For the reverse test, Italy to the U.S., you just have to take a test at Rome Airport. Hmm. And then, of course, if you come into Georgia, Atlanta, you have to uh, uh, obey the rules for quarantine, which I believe are really none. Yeah. But so, if you were connecting to New York, you would, of course, have to uh, uh, conform to whatever New York State so uh, yeah, it's weird. So yeah, you were saying um, there's a whole bunch of stuff wrong with this, Krisha. <laughs> but you know, at least they're trying. Yeah, at least I, they're I, trying. I, I like what they're doing, but um, when you know, when I was doing software stuff years ago, one of the things that we spent a lot of time doing is um, coding for the people who are going to break the system. Uh, and it wastes a lot of time, but it you know gets the integrity of the system because once somebody breaks the system, then it holds, the whole thing breaks down after that. And uh, in this, I like the plan. I really do like the plan. The only thing is that it sounds like the reason why they're doing essential is because right now it's only essential can fly international. Right. Um, 
although other people are flying. Well, not the UK. Not the UK. Uh, well, not the right. UK, right. And so it looks like, uh, although there's no quarantine on the ground, they, they've chosen a, a country that has minimum restrictions. So it's no, actually, it doesn't. Italy, Italy does? does not. No, Italy yeah. has uh, pretty, str it's one of the most stringent. Because right. remember, it was hit the hardest. It got hit the hardest. But so when you're, normally, if you arrive in Italy, do you have a quarantine or no? Yes, you do. And it's yes, a 14 day quarantine? Yes. Okay. Which now, I, I don't know with the recent announcement by the US Center for Disease Control that the 14 day quarantine is excessive and it needs to right. be lower. Must be seven I don't know if that, when that, that will take uh, yeah. Yes. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know either. But it, it, there's a few things that's weird about it. Um, but you know, there's like you said, at least, at, le at least they're trying. Yes. Um, and, and the one thing that I thought was very interesting that they announced um, these experts, they claim that this very thorough testing regimen. Um, wearing masks, which of course are mandated on Delta mm -hmm. and most other carriers, doing a social distancing on board and the regular aircraft cleaning that all airlines are now doubting, they estimate that the risk of infection is now reduced to one in one million on a flight that is about 60% full, mm. which is probably a typical number, but... Um, they expect this to be sort of like a bellwether test of the of how international travel will be. Could be, hmm. and it's similar to the rules that Hawaii has in place. Okay, and okay, so interesting that you did. You said Hawaii because by the time yes. we talk, we we talk again next week, this would be old news. Um, <clears throat> somebody got tested positive in San Francisco. They were going to board. And they're, uh, right, they they're going to board. But they boarded and they went to Hawaii and then they took them off because I guess all the, all the information was transmitted um, by the time they got to Hawaii and then they were given a fine of like $1,000 or something like that. When I, I look at it is too little. But when I look back at it, I keep thinking, I'm like, um, a friend of mine did something in, um, he flew Austrian Airlines. Mm -hmm. And Austrian Airlines didn't validate his boarding pass until his test came back negative. So he couldn't, he couldn't go to the Lufthansa is doing the same thing. Yeah. So Lufthansa I, is doing the same thing. When I saw yes. this one, I was like, well, how the heck did he get through security and onto an airplane with a boarding pass and he was positive? That doesn't make any sense. So it tells me that they're not checking the boarding passes. They're not invalidated. They're giving them mm -hmm. a boarding pass anyway. So there's a whole bunch of stuff that doesn't work properly there and i hope that whatever delta is doing yeah um will mitigate things like that because people are always going to try and look for loopholes in the system and game the system and game the without system. consideration for anyone else zero consideration and that's what happens in this case so when they say that you know it's a one in or it's a million chance or something like that mm -hmm. i don't really believe those stats for sure because we don't know uh, like, for example, this flight, this guy was on this flight and there was, the flight was probably full because everybody wants to go to Hawaii, but we don't know how many people. Weren't were they a couple though? Infected. There were two, two of them. There were two of them and they were both infected. Yeah. 
And so and now, of course, that whole aircraft is at risk. Yes, exactly. All those passengers are at risk. So, um, yeah, this tells you that somebody can get on a flight and they're infected and nobody knows and everybody got infected and nobody knows because you don't do, nobody knows when you pick up coronavirus, right? Um, mm -hmm. You just know you have it. And so um, there is no way to track it. So when they're throwing these stats out there, I think those stats are flawed, um, but that's just me saying that. But it, you know, <laughs> it's at least something because even this yeah. testing thing, I mean, you could be infectious one day and the next day you could not and yeah. not know it. Exactly. So, and, I, and I'm sure you know this, that in, at, according to the Lufthansa plan, um, for instance, at Frankfurt, you know, you cannot get into the gate area. And there's actually a little physical barrier at right. each gate in Frankfurt. Mm -hmm. And apparently you have to be cleared through the Lufthansa app on your phone right. in order to be allowed into boarding area. And that's what they do in uh, Australia. I don't think we, ha we have the facility here at Atlanta. So oh. I don't know if you have to get the app. All that has not been clarified. Yeah. I well, it's the same thing we were saying that when, uh, when they were doing the London test and, and you had mentioned that they're actually testing the passengers behind security. I was like, behind security? Why would you test someone behind security? Why would you test them before they even got into the, the airport area? And not let them through until they have a negative result. Correct, yeah. So, you know, it's, yeah. it's like the whole TSA thing, right? Where they just, they, they just do stuff, but they don't think it through. And they, they, you always have to think, when you do this, design these systems, you always have to think there is gonna be someone who's trying to break the rules. But I mean, if the two of us know that, how could they not? How? Pressure, it's pressure to do something. Um, and they go, well, if it happens, <clears throat> it may not happen. And look, it happened. <laughs> and it didn't take long, because I've only started yeah, in Hawaii what a month now since they've been flying mm -hmm. to hawaii i'm surprised it took that long yeah yeah well this is one that they caught right <laughs> yeah. yeah you're right you're right yeah and and, and it's it's kind of sad right because um everyone is trying to 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 make coronavirus work uh well flying with coronavirus work. Yeah. Always some idiot there who's just thinking about him and himself or her and herself alone and don't think about anybody else. And then they do something yep. and then the whole system has to change because this one person was an idiot. Mm. <sighs> Sigh. <laughs> All right, good story. It's not just flying. It's not just flying. <laughs> exactly, it's people in general, right? Well, at least they're doing this something. And yes, know, and I'm curious to see how successful this will be and how yeah. full the flights will be. That's what I want to know. Well, we know that we know we know Delta is is having a middle seat empty until March and the end right, of March. But... So there you go. <laughs> um, but you know, a lot of people aren't flying. Um, people are waiting for the vaccine, and some people are skeptical about the vaccine. Um, so that's another battle that we're going to mm -hmm. go up against uh all right um i think maybe the last episode i've never ever said before we spoke about um 
uh, Raven, Raven Alaska. Um, yes. Restarting. A couple of episodes ago. Yeah, and now what are they doing again? Why are they in the news again? Uh, so Raven was, um, I don't want to say a tiny, but it was a really essential service in Alaska. Yeah. With lots of flights to these very remote communities across the state. You can say tiny. Really, <laughs> who really depend on the airline to provide supplies, essentially, yeah. for their livelihoods. Because roads, for the most part, are uh, impassable during the winter season. And Alaska has so many different offshore islands. So air travel is really the only viable means to do so. So they went bankrupt because of... Uh, the virus essentially in mm -hmm. earlier this year, I believe it was in April. And then a uh, Southern California based company um, announced that it was taking over the carrier and resurrecting it uh, later this year. And then all of a sudden I hear this week that Ascent Global, which is the owner of uh, USA Jet Airlines. And that is a rare aircraft airline you see at certain airports, it's mainly uh, like chartered by hotels and uh, countries to promote travel, for instance. And they are taking over the parent of um, Raven Alaska, which is called Hagland Aviation Services. Okay. And instead of keeping the familiar name of Raven Alaska, they are changing it to a not very confidence-inspiring name called Rambler Air. Not sure how they came up with that name, <laughs> but there you have. They paid someone, Kushi. Can you imagine? <laughs> <laughs> so they are going to start in 2021, early in 2021, and they're getting rid of the Dash 8, uh, the smaller Dash 8 aircraft. Mm -hmm. Um, and in fact, they're replacing it with uh, Piper Chieftain Navajos, which are 70 aero vintage, and they only take about 10 passengers. And they're also starting with two Beechcraft 1900s, which is the 19 passenger aircraft. Oh, wow. So they've come down significantly in capacity, but um, this is a much needed boost for these communities. And uh, they're going to do both passenger and cargo services, much like uh, Raven had done. Right. So it's just an extension of Ascent Global's, uh, what they call Arctic on demand service, which was mainly charter and especially cargo. Right. <clears throat> that was mm -hmm. launched in um, 2020. And what they said is that this would help create 45 uh, Alaska-based jobs, but then they never mentioned how many uh, Raven lost when they went out of business. Right, that's true. So, but I don't know, I, what I'm curious about is why they ditched the name Raven. Maybe yeah, there's jewels or something, because that is such a familiar name to Alaskans. It is, plus it's gonna cost money to change the yes. name. Yes, well, for an air operator certificate and all that. But I'm sure they have this worked out or have a plan in place, you would hope. Maybe it's a tax thing. Yeah, could be. Could be. Yeah. There's always an angle. There's always an angle. 
Um, that's a bummer because I actually wanted to fly a ribbon before they disappeared. <laughs> that's <laughs> not going to happen. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh my goodness. Well, at least they're flying again. I guess that's the, that's the, yeah. yeah. Of the um, all right. Speaking of flying again, uh, a lot of airlines are parking a lot of planes. And so when you, when you park a lot of planes, there's a lot of stuff that goes with the planes. And there's a lot of airline junkies like myself and Kusha around who, you know, would like an airplane seat in their, in their house or uh, a trolley um, or something like that. Uh, I have some friends who actually have some first class seats from a, let's see, it's from a continental plane. Or one of the earlier ones that they have, it's, it's crazy. So British Airways is no different. And what are they doing, Kusha? So this was announced uh, November 23rd and came quite quickly after Qantas uh, made the splash, really doing what they're doing. Yeah. Because remember, I think like a couple of episodes ago, we had talked about how Qantas was selling over 1,000 fully stocked um, half bar and full uh, meal carts on their aircraft. And they all sold out in like less than a day. So British Airways, I mean, most of most of the people who listen to this show will realize that um, they retired all their 31 747s. And British BA now has this apparent entire warehouse full of uh, 747 merchandise. Mm-hmm. So they, with Qantas, with no knowledge of Qantas, what Qantas had done or not, announced that in a means to try and generate some revenue, they were going to offer all their 747 merchandise to the public. But what really got me was the marketing that they used. Yeah. Yeah, hear, hear me out. To recreate a magical flying experience at home. Yes. That is the terminology British Airways one of the most understated areas British-wise used to um, announce this scheme. So what it is, um, is that they are selling everything. And I mean everything from champagne flutes to brandy glasses, to hot towels, to blankets, to slippers, um, to carts, to... uh, Dish containers, insulated containers mm-hmm. for sale, um, including their crockery and their cutlery. And this is from the first class and uh, club world uh, cabins. This apparently is a very high end uh, British design. It's called William Edwards. I'd never heard of it. But perhaps people in the UK have. They had things like plates, soup bowls, cups, saucers, um, and even butter dishes. I mean, why not? Yeah, right? I mean, this could have When I priced them, for instance, um, soup bowls, they were four for uh, 40 pounds, which is about 45, 46 US dollars. Mm-hmm. Something steep to me for something that has been used hundreds and thousands of times. 
but will never uh, be used again. <laughs> will never be used again. See, that's my point. But BA claims that these were reasonable prices, but why will they not be used again? Why could they not use these on the 787s, the 350s, even the 777s for that Because Why do they have many. to get rid of them? They have too many of them. I mean, how many 747s? How many 747s they had? 31. So, so just just multiply the numbers, right? <laughs> yeah, that's true. I never thought of that. I should. Yeah, have. yeah. So now they just have way too many, and they don't have anywhere to put them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, because even the dishes in which you get your food served are on sale. Um, so yeah, the trays, the serving trays, are cheapy, cheapish. They right. get you get five for ten pounds again, about thirteen US. And um, they're also auctioning off artwork from um, other BA offices and airport lounges. And I believe they also had one that sold for over a million British pounds uh, by someone named Bridget Riley, which is pretty impressive. Yeah, that's so, very impressive. As I said, it's an attempt <laughs> to clear out their warehouses and um, based on Qantas's experience, the first things to go were the brandy and champagne glasses and the blankets. That was sold out. So another thing they mentioned is that they're also selling Concord memorabilia. This is at whatabuy.co.uk slash British Airways. I did not realize that Concord stuff is still available for sale, including, get this, uh, the nose cones of Concord, which they say fetch hundreds of thousands of uh, pounds slash dollars. Who sells those? I guess it's the parts that they had sitting around. But still? Yeah, well, I mean, they didn't do anything with them, right? Wow. I and guess. And what would you do with one, actually? Oh, you just hang it up over your mantle. Why would you? <laughs> I wonder if those people are married. No, no, no. This is this is the man cave. You can't touch the man cave, right? God, I hate uh, that, Tom. <laughs> like in the boy cave. <laughs> um, Kusha, that's actually. I mean, it, it makes sense, right? Because otherwise, you would have had to store them, and so yeah. this way, you don't sell for scrap, essentially. Yeah. Yeah, and people will buy. Yeah, they, no, they, I salute them for doing it. Yeah, people come pick them up. Um, I know, uh, uh, I actually know a friend, and it's a mutual friend of ours too, that has oh. uh, the seats, the first class seats. Yes. Yeah. How do they anchor them to the ground? Um, they have them downstairs in their um, in their basement. I think okay. they, have, they have a den. And uh, I know another person has them in their living room. So I don't know how they anchor them. Hundreds of thousands of dollars yeah. worth, right? Close they to are. a million almost. And they're very heavy. Oh, God, uh, yeah. Yeah, so that makes sense. It makes sense. I mean, you're, you you have to get rid of them anyway. And another yeah. friend just showed the bar cart. He had, an Air, huh. he had an Air Berlin bar cart, which is very cool. Been doing this a lot before. Yes. Quantus yes. got all the attention. Yeah. And it slipped under the radar. Yeah. Um, that makes sense. At least they make, they're getting some money for it. Um, 
it's you know it, it'll it's, it's not going to get anyone rehired anytime soon but um at least they're getting something for it well done and I like the marketing. Oh. The marketing spin is awesome. That had my <laughs> eyes rolling. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's British Airways, right? I mean. But that's the thing. British Airways, they don't normally go overboard. You know, British subtlety and all that. Yeah. But, you know, it's, um, the, the, there's so many things in the industry that's just, I guess, just in limbo. Um, and people don't think about it. I mean, we talked about the nuts that American Airlines and United mm-hmm. first class. That was one of the first episodes we did. Mm-hmm. And you know, they're still selling those. Yeah. And people, yeah. And people are still buying them like crazy. And um, I think that's wonderful that the public is stepping in to help. Oh, absolutely. Well, that's the thing, you know, people hate airlines, but they love nuts. <laughs> so, uh, so, and it's the same thing here. You have a lot of people out here, and these things are going to sell out really quickly. Um, one of my friends in, um, here in the U.S., he sent a picture, and his desk is actually the wing of an airplane. Yes? Uh, yeah, which is very cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Well done. Uh, okay, so back with BA, um, we're just talking about the 747s. Um, what are they doing? They're getting rid of them, right? Kind of. This was – I was – very pleased to hear this because um, I have very partial feelings towards British Airways, in particular BOAC. Uh, here's a family members who worked um, at the airline in the 70s. Yeah. They supplied me with a lot of BOAC stuff. And the old uh, livery, the BOAC livery, was painted on a 747. And I thought it looked absolutely brilliant. And they had sold this aircraft, to my knowledge, to Russia, which is a Russian airline. Right. Now I find out that this aircraft in that scheme is going to be preserved as a heritage piece um, at the Vale of Glamorgan Business Park, which is literally down the road from Cardiff in Wales. Where, these, where this plane is currently stored. Oh, I'm curious okay. how they are going to move this plane because it's literally a suburb almost of Cardiff. So it's, I it's doubt they- Close to the airport, I guess, right? But it's still a logistical nightmare. Yeah, what is the name? 747. What's the name? Vale of Glamorgan. Uh, it's on the coast. Okay. Uh, as I said, just a little southwest of Cardiff. You ever been so, to Cardiff? No. It's an uh-huh. amazing place. Yeah. So, well, the, that's one one uh, location. They're going to preserve it as a showcase for the premier contribution of British Airways 747s, the first wide body they had to um, UK aviation, which makes complete sense. Yeah, yeah. Then the other one, uh, which is the Landor livery, which is the very geometric pattern of the British flag on the tail of the aircraft. Mm-hmm. Um, that was in place from 1984 to 97. And that's going to be at Dunsfold Aerodrome in Surrey, which is essentially west of London. Um, and the current livery, on an aircraft 
is going to be also stored and used in film and TV sets. And this we had mentioned a little bit earlier as well. So um, this current liveried aircraft is going to be stored at Cotswold in Gloucestershire. Uh, okay. Is that where the one that's, the, the the one that just had it caught on fire? Not to no, no. Okay, because one of them just caught on fire, and the yes. fire was in the cockpit. Yes. Just... yes. <clears throat> Significant damage. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so I'm very happy to hear that we will always have a BOAC seven four seven. That's cool. My guess is they they'll just take the wings off and transport it on a flatbed truck or something from Cardiff. Because I, I actually did a Google search of this Vale of Glamorgan. Yeah. I never found anything that looked like a runway at, yeah. on Google Maps, but I could have missed it, but I doubt it. And it's Vale of Clay Morgan, right? No, it's Glamorgan, G-L-A. Oh, that's right. It's, it's, um, it's Welch, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Could you be more English than that? <laughs> uh, well, that's the funny thing when you go to, uh, like, I love, oh, there it is, Bale of Clay Morgan. Um, I love when I go to um, Cardiff. I mean, it's, um, it's, it's a beautiful place. And the thing that most of the people who live in Cardiff are not, uh, Cardiff are not Welsh. <laughs> it's the English that moved yeah. there. <laughs> um, you know the accent is a little hard to understand. Well, yes, yes, it is. It is, it is quite different, I'd say. Um, so, I was just trying to see exactly where it was. Dude, we have we have lots of trips to do. Once, so it's only it's thirty, it's thirty six minutes from the from the airport. So my from Cardiff Airport. Yeah, CWL. About 20 minutes from the airport. Okay. Um, and so my guess is that, yeah, they'll probably just take the wings off. The highway runs right next to it, so they'll just take the wings off mm. and, um, mm. and bring it down to be the B, the B4265 um, to where this place is, which is not too close to the, to the coast. It's like, it's a little town. Mm. Like, how did they choose this little town? Yeah, I know, really. And why did they choose it? Yeah, they're going to have this big airplane sitting in this little town. Oh, that's going to be fun to go see. <laughs> I think so. I th I, I, absolutely. And I'm in the minority. No, I don't think you are. I think our audience loves that kind of I think that aircraft because... looks spectacular in that color scheme. Even yeah. if it's like 30 years, 40 years old. Yeah, really. Have you seen it in person? Or yes. You... Okay. Yeah. I don't think I saw yeah. any of them. Um, no, not yet. So right, if anyone's from the air listening, make a petition to paint triple seven. Yeah, I mean, delivery. you have to paint something in those little li livers, right? Maybe they should paint one of the aircraft in each of the one of the aircraft fleet types uh, in each of the different colors that they mm -hmm. that they did. Well, we'll see. Um, so, all right. So. Airlines like to copy each other as much as they say they don't, but they do. Um, it's just how the industry is. Um, there's always there's espionage in every industry. <laughs> and so I say that um, because Lufthansa now has a life flat 
economy seat, then Krish is going to explain that. <laughs> so ahead. I was actually, this was an Airways and actually got a, this got a lot of press, uh -huh. a lot of different publications. Um, I was impressed with how much attention Lufthansa got with this offering when really this is not a new development because Air New Zealand has had this quite a while oh, with the Sky Couch. And it's really but, nice. Yeah, it is. Especially for economy class, it's a, quite a step up. Mm -hmm. So um, I don't know how long this will last, but or whatever it's worth, Lufthansa has a service flight from Frankfurt to Sao Paulo in Brazil, uh -huh. which is currently operating on a 748. So what they are doing is they are offering passengers at the airport only or at the gate only. This is the part I don't get. To purchase all the remaining seats in their row for a price that is much less than individual seats for sale. Okay, that makes, that makes sense. sense. Yeah, yeah. So um, they are, in essence, able to own all those three or four seats. Remember, it's a three, four, three configuration. Yeah. And what they will do is they will supply you, you know, uh, a blanket, and as they say, a topper, from business class. You are also allowed to priority board and there's a limit on the number of rows that will be available for sale. And it's on a first come first serve basis. Okay. So um, I guess depending on the loads of this flight, they are not able to offer it for sale at the time of booking. Right. But. And I think it's because they want to, it's revenue management, as we know, right? They yes. Want to, they want to maximize selling. So the flights must be really empty. Yes, they are. Nobody's going. And how long will they continue this? Is this a temporary thing? I mean, I saw pictures of it and it looks fairly comfortable, but it's still, you have that little crack between each seat that you have to deal with. I mean, it's so, not the end of the world. I'm not, I'm quibbling here, but. No, no, no. Uh, what you're saying makes sense. Um, what Lufthansa, uh, what New, New Zealand does is they actually give you those duvet things and they will make it up. They, they give you the... Correct. Uh, Correct. They give you everything, yeah. And, and once it's you, thickish. Yeah, once uh, you put this, that thing over yes. it, you don't feel the spaces between the seats. Um, it's very okay. good. Yeah, and it, it is actually really good for families because I saw mm -hmm. there, there's a mom with the, with her kids. Yeah. The two kids were sleeping and she sort was... Sort of like a sleeping bag. bag. A comfortable sleeping, wide sleeping bag. Yeah, and the seats, um, mm -hmm. the seats actually have an extra piece that flips up. Um, so you actually can sleep all the way. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. it, 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 it worked really well. Um, yeah. And I can see them trying to revenue manage it because if you and why you're not? going to sell them less than the cost of it. They didn't day. say how long they were going to trial this. Um, but uh, well, we know, we know I'm curious least. if they will continue it or expand it to other routes. At least six months, right? <laughs> you would hope. Well, the planes are going to be empty for another six months at least. Uh, so, yeah. yeah. Um, kudos to them for trying. 
Well done. And, but I, I wanted to find out how much it would cost, you know, for each seat versus doing this uh, at the um, airport. But I couldn't. You know, we could we could probably um, uh, we could probably send them a note. Um, I'll try to send their PR people a note and ask them and say, hey, you know, we just did a, a podcast story and can you tell us what it actually cost? Or what a previous... Go for the month. middle section. Yeah. Or, what, what, or anyone planning to travel or buy this product. Yeah. Or maybe there's just what it costs in a previous flight since, you know, the price probably changed. Mm. Right. Um, so we could, we could ask that. Okay. <clears throat> Um, that's good. Um, okay. So, you know, because of the uh, COVID, a lot of the airlines are either not doing business, um, park planes or going out of business. Um, we don't think we've had any in Europe yet, um, but we may. So what do you, what's going on? Um, and is, is, it, is that the Baltic region? Which one? No, this is Montenegro airline in the old Yugoslavia. Yeah, yeah. So they have a whopping four aircraft in their fleet and they have been propped up uh, by government aid. So what they announced is that they have received no funds from uh, Montenegro since August and they are unable to sustain their activities, their flying activities. So what they're going to do is they are going to, uh, they're not sure, essentially, but they are very close to liquidation. Wow. Now, this is a tiny airline. As I said, they have four aircraft. Yeah. And uh, staff are still waiting for their October salaries, and we're now in December. Um, they claim that their revenues have been reduced by 80% first nine months of 2020, which of course is crippling, but it's never been very successful because they've had losses since 2014. So um, their annual losses are in the, in 2019 were about 8 million euros. Okay. Slightly more in US dollars, but they have close to 98 million euros in aviation which oh, is the wow, okay. So <clears throat> now they have this additional complication that a government agency in Montenegro in September investigated the compliance of state aid for Montenegro Airlines, which has the code YM, by the way, um, if it was in accordance with um, EU regulations. Now, again, this is a weird one or at least the way it was reported in airways, why would they announce it after? Because before a state gives aid to an own airline, I believe they have to be in compliance with EU regulations. So how was this given out if now they're suspecting it wasn't? That's yeah. another issue. Yes. So. Um, hmm. Yeah, that's an interesting one. This, this airline has always struck me because the logo on the tail is so similar, at least in my mind, to the U.S. post office. Uh, that yes, bird. yes, that's true. Uh, symbol. Yeah. Have you been to this region yet? No. 
Yeah. On my radar. Yeah, I went to um, I went to Bosnia and um, Belgrade mm. and uh, Croatia, but I haven't made it to Montenegro yet. Um, so I want to go back and do that. So um, the three three one nineties. Yeah, that's, that's what they have. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Oh man, yeah. So many crazy things happening, right? Yeah, I mean it's a tiny airline with. Probably no one really needs, but it's a pride of. Yeah, because the country is small. Which, significant. Yeah. It's tiny. Yeah, which is why yeah. they had the 190s, because the country is really small. Yeah. Um, do they fly anywhere else, or did they fly anywhere else around Europe, or was it just. Yeah, they did. Oh. Yeah, they did. Mm. Oh, man. Well, mm. we'll see what happens there, right? Yeah. Um, that's how I, I saw their livery. Yeah, I have not seen them anywhere. I was trying to think. Because, you know, we're always looking. We're such geeks. Whenever we fly to different airports, we're always looking out for um, these airlines. Um, hang on one sec, Kusha. Hold on one sec. Okay. Um, so our next story is... Uh, What's Singapore doing in terms of its meals? I guess everyone is, you know, making changes because of COVID, right? Yes, this was, um, I mean, most people know this is an extremely subjective podcast. <laughs> and I found meals. this, <laughs> yes, especially airline meals. <laughs> and uh, this was on Singapore Airlines media release webpage. And um, I was very encouraged by this. So starting on December 1st, which was two days ago, yeah. uh, Singapore and Silk Air um, have completely revamped their economy class meals for their short and medium haul flights. So in essence, all flights less than about three and a half hours in length. Wow. So they're introducing over 40 new dishes, mainly regional from the area. Um, as part of their new economy meal concept. But I think what is most important in my mind is that they have um, reduced plastics by 80% in weight in this revamp. And also their waste is going to be substantially cut. So let me explain. As I said, they've introduced 40 new meals, including um, variations that really were a little difficult to serve on board, especially things like congee, which is that porridge mm-hmm. consistency, um, Asian uh, breakfast dish, and also uh, laksa, which is that soupy noodle dish from South ah, Okay, yeah. So what they've done is they've replaced their plastic casserole service with these leak-proof, as they call it, box and cap and cups made of Forest Stewardship Council certified paper. So this is like a renewable, uh, environmentally sound means of producing paper. Um, They've also included a dessert base and a cutlery pack made of uh, bamboo and paper, including the wrapping. Mm, okay. 
I think is amazing, but hold on for one minute because um, it's not, and it's not, they haven't cut back on the volume of food because it's the same. It's Singapore. But now they are able to hold liquids without any fear of leakage or seepage. These are all oven proof materials. Um, and it's been developed, of course, with their catering arm, which is SATS. Um, as I said, all single-use plastics have been reduced by 80% mm -hmm. by weight. And this is the part that I found very interesting, that all leftovers will be returned to Singapore. Now, given that these flights are so short, they probably all turn around um, services. So what's served in one direction uh, comes back likely the same day. Yeah. And they're going to be sent to an eco-digester at the SATS kitchens and converted to pellets for, um, as they call it, refuse-derived fuel. So it's biofuel. Yeah. Um, so they say less than, more than 60% less cooking waste and um, much lighter uh equipment or meal service to put on board. So there's a fuel savings as well. So <clears throat> this food was available for um, anyone who toured the Singapore Airlines facilities in November 2020. This is what we brought up again several weeks ago. Yeah. It's now available. And um, they would have been the first to really taste these. Now, I know a lot of your viewers are probably rolling your eye, their eyes at why we brought this up, but I think it's really important. It is. Now, so, my guess is that they had been Especially as a this. fan of Asian food. Yeah. So they've been planning this for a long time. For a while, yes. Yeah, they probably yes. accelerated it because of COVID. Yeah, uh, perhaps. Yeah, yeah, which makes sense. Um, that's good. Um, you know... Yeah, it makes sense. And of course, you know, the other airlines will follow because it, it's the same kitchen. I don't know if they will, though. Well, yeah. it, it's the same Singapore kitchens, right? And when there's airlines... Right, come but it's the Singapore, airlines... Yeah. Thing. And they cater. They cater for other airlines. Yeah. Yeah. So it makes sense that they would yeah. do this. All right. Well done, Singapore Airlines. And I, they have pictures also. Yeah. But I thought... Uh, I mean, it looks very, very attractive in my mind. I'm speaking from an aviation geek point of view, if you will. Yeah. So I don't will, take my word for it. I will check if I have any um, if I have any links that I can add to the story. Um, okay. For that, yeah, and we'll see how that. I, oh, I'm sure you will find. It. Yeah. yeah. All right. Especially cool. pictures. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Um. See what our next story is. Um, Qantas. So Qantas made um, this announcement a few weeks ago. Well, okay, maybe last week, and it seems like forever. And um, the entire internet went crazy because uh, people on my feed were just like, "I will never fly Qantas again." All right, cut. I measure. was just about to say. What did they say? What did they say? So this was Alan Joyce, the CEO uh -huh. of Qantas. He was speaking on A Current Affair, which is a program on Australia's Channel 9. Yeah. <clears throat> and he 
This was an executive traveler, as you said, been reported all over. He made this announcement that Qantas was looking at changing the terms and conditions of flying in a post-COVID world to include a, a vaccination certificate for COVID. I knew right then that a lot of people were going to jump up and down and scream that their personal liberties or whatever are being violated. But he seemed pretty definite about this, that uh, they are going to require this of all passengers before they board any Qantas flight to Australia. Mm-hmm. For domestic flights, um, as he said, it depends on what happens in the market based on what the state regulations are in Australia. And uh, he pointed out that the proof of taking a vaccination would likely be stored in an electronic digital passport. And from that, I understood to mean that little chip that is embedded in most modern passports. Right. Now, what I was curious about is, do all countries have these electronic passports? I really couldn't find out too much valid information on that. There are many countries that do, like all the EU ones do. Right. Uh, the U.S. does, Australia does. Um, what about the other places, like, let's say in um, Asia or Africa? I think they're getting there. America. Uh, they're getting there if they don't already have them. And the reason, the reason why they want to do the chip thing is because when you get to when you get to Sydney, you can just put the chip thing in, and the machine will read. Right. Yeah. Right. I don't know how they're going to do it though, but they said that the plans are in line with. Uh, um, programs currently going on with airlines around the world and different current government agencies to see how they could incorporate it into an individual's passport. And it also is in accordance with Australian state rules about how overseas visitors would need to prove that they had taken a COVID vaccination before boarding. Yeah. No, it, so, it, it is it is weird with the passports um, because I think they were read only. So, which means that they'll have to be able to write. The only person that can write to that passport is the passport office in your own country. Yeah. So, how would the the, the I'm, I'm in, and I know this will all get clarified with time, but I'm yeah. curious about how, let's say, the agency that certifies you have taken a vaccine, will convey the information to the passport office and how will they incorporate it into your passport, your electronic? Because then you, it means that <clears throat> when you get a new passport, they'll have to write it back to your passport, but then you have to physically take so That's a new passport, back. right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and. They and said the, current passports. Yeah. I don't know how that. Yeah, because I know you can't write to it. Because if you could write to it, then you know it, it could write a whole Maybe you can. Passport. Maybe you can write. Well, you can write to it because that's how they put the information on. But I think hmm. only the passport issuing office can write to it. Okay. Because then it would corrupt the information that you have on there. Now every reader can read it. Um, hmm. Yeah, especially at airline check-in desks. Yeah, that'll be interesting. So, now, um, there's a huge amount of technology. Yes, there is, there is, there is. And he's not too I mean, far no away. one really understands that, no, how big this problem is. And, but, you know, it, it makes sense to do something, 
I, yeah, it does. You know, maybe what he says, you know, he's an executive, right? So they normally say something that's simplified and then, then the coders are like, we, we can't do that. <laughs> well, see, I think you sort of, I mean, uh, you have to now, right? Because they yeah. expect all Australians to be vaccinated by the end of 2021. And of course, it's voluntary. Yeah. So given the hesitation of so many people here in the US to get vaccinated, I don't know what the statistics are yeah. there. Now, I saw on a lot of the groups, like when this was at, people were like, well, that's it. I'm never flying Qantas again. However, yeah, people though, say that all the time. we know people say, hey, the fare went up by $5. I'm never flying United again. And then the fare goes down and they're like, oh, uh, I'm, right, I'm on United again or whatever. It but is. I'll buy an $8 tiny little bottle of alcohol on yes. Yes, because that's people. We don't we don't see how we don't we don't put two and two together for that. Um, if I was going to say something. Oh, it, it makes sense that we you know we have to somehow be vaccinated to fly. It's no different than getting uh, a malaria shot because you have to go to some place where malaria mm. shots are required, right? People are just freaking out because they're not really seeing the big picture of travel. They're just seeing COVID's here and this is one virus and I can't. Um, but you know, you have they, to do this. Yeah, that. there was a, there was a health requirement when you travel. Most people don't read it, but there right. are health requirements for every country that. Or don't travel. realize it. Yeah, they don't realize, it. and then they get to the airport, and the agent like, you can't travel. And they're like, well, why? They're like, well, you need this shot. They're like, well, really? I'm like, yes, really. Um, yeah, people show up at the airport to go to Brazil without visas when visas used to be required. Mm. So people are clueless. <laughs> they really are. <laughs> right. I know, right? I love people, but oh. people are clueless. Um, all right. So we're switching from airlines to airports now. Um, we spoke about the end of October. We spoke about our favorite airport in Berlin. And um, we were talking about one of the terminals and Kusha is going to tell us some, I'm smiling because I, it's like it's one of those yep knew it but I won't steal your thunder Kusha go ahead this was again in Airways <laughs> um, which always has these really interesting articles they yeah. as you said you pointed out that uh, Berlin Brandenburg <laughs> Willy Brandt opened barely two weeks ago yes. and already <laughs> They are talking about shutting down a part of it. But let me back up a little bit. So they expected about 34 million passengers in their annual forecasts for uh, traffic through Berlin in a year. And they, to date, are getting about 10% of that. So they have a huge excess capacity issue to deal with. Yeah. Now, given all the budgetary constraints that this beleaguered airport has gone through, um, they are looking to cut costs, which makes complete sense. Complete sense. And um, remember that this new airport is on the southern end of what was the old SS, SXF Schonefeld, which was the old East German um, hub for Interflug, the East German carrier. And that terminal has been renovated and converted to Berlin T5. Yeah. Now, why did you five when they only have T1 and T2, that's another issue. But um, it's going to affect Ryanair, Condor, Wizz Air, Tui, and Sun Express. 
So they are expecting them to move to the main terminal in T1 um, in about March, in the, around the March 2021 frame. Now they haven't really decided if they're actually going to go ahead and close the old SXF new Berlin T5 terminal permanently, but it's on the cards. They just need to. So, <laughs> they just need to. <laughs> yeah, I just cannot imagine the expense of renovating it and using it for barely a short while and closing it. Yeah, it's like they just didn't think ahead. You have to wonder, who is it that's making these decisions, Grisha? Like, like really? I mean, come on. I, you build a brand new terminal and you're gonna use an old one that's been sitting there, but you built a brand new one. So, so you know what's funny about this is that- um, Would you know they were probably lower gate? They were probably lower gate um, and airport charges. At yeah, I remember but, all of these are low cost. Yeah, yeah but it, it makes no sense. But to us, because we know there's something else there, but right. we just don't know what it is. We're speaking from thousands of kilometers away. Yeah, from the outside looking oh. in though, why? It doesn't make any sense. It makes zero sense. But you know, there's probably some little political wrangling that says, hey, you know, we got to keep it because it's a, it's a landmark. You know, it's at like a CWA terminal, right? They couldn't get rid of it, but they could build around it. And so they kept it, they put a hotel in it. Um, mm. You know, but and the terminal is there and they can't touch anything on the terminal, but they just, you know, make it look good. And it's probably the same thing with SXF, right? They gotta keep but it is really a heritage structure. site, right? It is not exactly is. something to be proud of, but <laughs> it is heritage. It is heritage, yeah. yeah. So I think that there's probably some of that there that we just not privy to whenever yeah. whenever these stories because it's much easier to say, oh, there the terminal is shutting down rather rather to go back and give you the history of why they actually did it in the first place. Yeah. I have to talk to my 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 Berlin PR people and see if they can give me some insights. Um, so we had, um, I think we talked about last episode and we also talked about when we had Josh on and uh, he was telling us about um, him wanting to go to Singapore, but he was gonna go to, um, where is it, Vietnam? stay for like, you know, whatever the required time is, and then he can go to Singapore because they have a bubble. And Hong Kong has one too, but what's going on with the Hong Kong bubble? Well, this unfortunate, uh, a series of unfortunate incidents has doomed this air travel bubble, at least for now. Oh, so this is going to be a pioneering uh, effort by the governments of Hong Kong and uh, Singapore. Uh, remember these two, Places have closed off their borders to most foreigners. Yeah. But they were reopening between these two countries on a trial basis based on very strict regulations. So they were all set to open on, I believe it was November 21st, when one day before Hong Kong uh, noticed a spike in their uh, untraceable COVID infections and shut the process down for weeks and this was all in the plan so this was all written into contingency requirements this was about three weeks ago mm -hmm. and then so they were due to reopen imminently again on this trial basis and then once again hong kong exceeded their uh, 
goal of um, less than five untraceable infections over a seven-day rolling average. So then they decided to shut down yet again, and now they've announced that they're going to postpone uh, reopening of this bubble to 2021. Whoa. But they've said, yes, they've said they're going to review this in um, a few weeks in mid to late December. Now, this comes after Cathay Pacific announced that they have essentially sold out all their Singapore flights for the next several, several weeks. There's one flight a day initially between each city, and it's only limited to 200 passengers. So um, this is catering a lot to business travel, I'm sure, given that they are huge economic centers in Asia. So um, they, they are reasoning that this is more um, uh, symbolic than financial because they seem to have gotten through the last nine months. Yeah. This embargo in place. But it's still disappointing. This was going to be essentially a trial balloon for how future travel would be, at least in Southeast Asia, in a post-COVID world. So they we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, did they know why the numbers are shooting up again in Hong Kong? It's Hong Kong-based. No, they did not announce that. And remember, it's all the untraceable cases because they break them down, uh, which I think makes a lot of sense. Um, unknown cases and no unknown cases. Hmm. So the untraceable cases of how they started, those have exceeded their uh, five infections but they on a rolling seven-day average. So my guess is that they're 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 trying to figure it out, but they won't figure it out in a month's time. And so they figure let's wait until twenty twenty one. Well, I mean it's better it's, yeah. it's better to do that, right? Yeah, they um, cautiously, and um, hmm. I give them credit for it. Even though the passengers must be so incredibly frustrated, having yeah. to book and cancel, rebook and cancel. You know what's funky though? Maybe it's because, um, you know, air travel is just so weird when it comes to bringing in all kinds of stuff. Maybe it's the, because they're not having passenger flights, right? They're having cargo no. flights. Oh, just now? Yeah, just for, Hong Kong, for Hong Kong itself. It's just cargo flights, right? right. I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm just thinking. But they do have bubbles, right? Like Hong Kong has bubbles with um, travel bubbles with other countries. Yeah, but the, but I assume that those bubbles are going to be closed as well. No, why, why would they? Well, because I mean, see, this was the first quarantine-free bubble. Okay, yeah, but but the issue is not and with, with strict testing requirements and all that. Like, you cannot travel fourteen days before you travel to Hong Kong or Singapore. From okay, but each but country. if they have bubbles with other countries, correct. Um, and they have a spike in the numbers in Hong Kong, why wouldn't they close all the bubbles? Why are they just closing the Singapore one? Because this was um, or, or not one started. that was essentially restriction-free. This is the first one that was essentially restriction-free. So you do okay. not have to quarantine at your destination. Right. It seems, seems something's a little missing there. It makes sense. But the differences are minor, but they're still important. Well, minor is very subjective. Yeah, yeah. 
right. Well, I hope they figure it out yeah. soon. Um, all right. We've got one more. One more story. Let me find it. Let me find it. Okay. And this is our aircraft story. Um, the, the Dash 8 this has, one. A, has a robot. What's going on? <laughs> this was a little strange, which is precisely why I added it here. Um, this was an airline geeks, but it was interesting nonetheless. It's a good story. So, yeah, a- unusual story. De Havilland, Canada, which makes the D, the Dash 8 aircraft, mm-hmm. um, also known as the Q400, in one variant, has a joint venture with a company called Aerohygen X. I'm sure I'm massacring the pronouncement. They have developed and are promoting something called a Ray, R-A-Y, which is an autonomous robot that will disinfect and is custom designed for Dash 8 aircraft. Mm. I saw a picture of it and it's sort of this tall um, device on a base with this huge UV array on top of it that can clean uh, the entire cabin, including the labs and the flight deck with UV light. So no chemicals at all in about five minutes. Um, Yes, and it's optimized for, um, as I said, the Dash 8. And it is also programmed to shut down immediately as motion is detected. Because this UV light is extremely dangerous. Oh, or okay. <laughs> uh, bacteria and uh, microbes. The only thing that I want to know is, considering that they do this after, they are planning to do this after each flight on an mm-hmm. aircraft, how much damage is it doing to the material of the seats and the aircraft cabins? Because these are plastics, essentially. Yeah. And, and in- UV light with this intensity will weaken or damage but again, I'm sure they have thought of this, but um, they are planning to uh, huh. launch in February 2021, and uh, they plan to produce an initial round of 200 of these robots. Okay, interesting. So, um, because wasn't one of the U.S. airlines was doing something similar? Yes, yes, but it, well, this wasn't customized for. Um, for that particular plane. Yeah. Yes. Because remember, those aisles are a little bit narrow on the prop aircraft. A little bit? I wouldn't think that would <laughs> matter, but apparently it does. Huh. And, you know, in talking about the uh, the light and the plastic, I mean, what about the cockpit, right? I mean, yeah. It's all yeah. plastic. The glass, thing. will it dull on the, on the instrument? Yeah. And the little knobby and, thing. And uh, what I found surprising is that they said that this announcement would somehow boost sales for the Dash 8. Um, because a company called Longview Aviation has taken on the Dash 8 aircraft program from DHC Canada. Mm, okay. I'm not sure how, but... It sounds like marketing. Again, I don't know all the details. It sounds like marketing. <laughs> of course. Uh, oh, my but, God. Uh, that, that's, a good, that's a good story. Um, and you know, and I know we've been talking about how, uh, because of COVID, um, the airline industry has become so innovative, 
and a lot of the ideas that's been sitting there are now mm. brought up, you know, on top. Yeah. And um, and so that's good. Keeps life it, interesting. How it people does. think. It does. I think because it's great. It, absolutely. Because the industry is so old. And uh, when we try to change anything, you get so much friction from everybody. Yeah. Um, but now people are like, well, okay. Uh, like, if, if there was ever a time for the airlines to switch to a new reservation system, now this is it. Be it. This, is, this would be the time. And one uh, system would be great. Oh my God, wouldn't it? And so, but you know, maybe they're working on something, but they haven't switched yet because these systems are still running on those old computers um, where you have like, you have to put hail under the computer room <laughs> in case you have a fire. They're probably putting up tapes on the thing. No, I'm just kidding. Not that far back, but um, the systems are quite old, which is why whenever it, we need to make any change, it takes so long. So I'm glad to see that um, mm. some, some innovation is happening in the industry. So that's good. But lately, we've, I've been noticing at least that we have a lot of very unusual, if not weird, stories to report. Mm -hmm. So stay tuned because next week we have something about wasps. Oh, okay. All right. And uh, so, yeah, well, with that, we'll, uh, we'll have to call it a, a week for this one. Yes, we're a little late this week, but uh, nevertheless. I know it's good. So um, remember, we we are on Spotify, we are on Apple, we're on I, iTunes, and um, go to Apple and download uh, to search on what's happening in travel, um, or you can search for our names, Carwood McKenzie and Kushwa Park, and you can um, and you can find our our information. Um, we're also on Google Podcasts, so you can search for us there, and we are on Amazon uh, Podcast. And um, so this is another episode of What's Happening in Travel. I am Kerwin and here with my buddy. Ushro. And Thank we you for are, listening. Yeah, we're signing up. All right, so talk to you soon.